Are you guys looking forward to break in a few weeks? Like the long, nice, that's great. Um, think about this to yourself. You can just kind of, you know, in between your ears, talk, think about this. What do you enjoy the most about breaks? What do you actually like doing? Uh, if you want to write down like a top thing, if something that's like jumped in your mind, you're like, I know exactly what I'm doing as soon as school's out, uh, go ahead and write it down. This doesn't just have to be long breaks either. It could be like weekends, holidays, you know, some of these different things. We just had Thanksgiving, right? I like eating food. That's really fun, especially pie. Uh, some people like cake more than pie. I do not. Pie is superior, in my opinion. But I, I like these things. I like breaks, right? I think that's pretty common for all of us. Uh, I like not having things to do. I like spending more time with family and friends. I like uh, reading or playing games. Uh, thinking clearly about things that are kind of hard to focus on throughout uh, really times of work. And we don't always make the best use of breaks, right? Like, I can recognize, at least for me, whenever there's especially a longer break, I kind of get like, ooh, I'm, you know, there's some things I regret after that. I could have used that a little better. But they are actually a really good thing. Rest is a really good thing. So regardless of how we handle it, uh, a lot of renewal of focus and strength can come from uh, even just like one day off or a break. And tonight, we're actually going to be talking about the Sabbath. Uh, you know, what it is, why it was given, and what we should do with it. This is the day that God rested after creation, which I just have to, this is just too good to not mention. Like, they're doing a, a de-stress fest right next door. I, was, I walked by, I was like, this is too good. Like, they're literally talking about how not to stress on a, week, a night that we're talking about rest. I thought it was hilarious. So I'm going to go ahead and read uh, the passage for tonight where the Sabbath is first mentioned in the Bible, Genesis 2, 2 and 3. It's on your handout there. It says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So what is the Sabbath? We can see two things here from Genesis 2. The first is that the Sabbath is present in creation. Okay, it says, by the seventh day, God has finished all the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. This is present in creation. And this is actually kind of important because it addresses two major questions that we should have as Christians. One is the question of the law. Okay, because the Sabbath day, observing the Sabbath, also appears in the, the law of Moses. It's in the Ten Commandments. Uh, but because the Sabbath is first mentioned at creation, we know that it's not just relevant to the law. It actually has relevance outside of just the law. So we're not talking about the Sabbath tonight because it's part of the Ten Commandments. We're talking about it because it's part of creation. It was in the beginning, if you will. Uh, second, the presence of creation, the pre its presence at creation, tells us that the Sabbath is not a result of the fall. Okay, the fall is where mankind sinned, Adam sinned, and one of the results is God placing a curse on work. Now, this would take way too much time to cover tonight at any level of depth, but for now, let's just recognize, right, the Sabbath, this rest day, was instituted before the curse on work. So while work was good, while work was perfect, in fact, God was the one doing the work, so we know it was perfect, that's when he rested. So even though that our work is now different, it's uh, difficult, and toilsome, and in a lot of ways, it's futile. Uh, the Sabbath was instituted not just before the fall, but also from the perfect work of God. So we're not going to talk at very much length about the Sabbath in the Old Testament law. We're not going to talk too much about how it relates to the curse on work, although those things are relevant. 
Tonight we're going to focus in on the purpose of the Sabbath in creation and how that, that creation uh, aspect, should shape our approach to the Sabbath and especially to treating it as holy in our personal life. So that actually leads in well to the second thing we can see from Genesis 2. The Sabbath is holy. It says, Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating he had done. Now let's define this word, right? Recently, uh, some, of us, some of us watched through a series titled The Holiness of God uh, with R.C. Sproul, and in it he defines holiness. He says, Holiness has a primary meaning and a secondary meaning. And the secondary meaning is like moral purity or righteousness. Right? Sometimes when the Bible uses the word holy, it's referring to God's character, uh, this moral purity uh, that, in, in God. But the primary meaning, what it means more often, is holy is, is something set apart or different or special or other. So when we say that God is holy, what we primarily mean, firstly, is that God is, is different from us. There are some ways he's extremely different from us in a very significant way. So when Genesis 2 says God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, it's not saying he made the day morally righteous or pure. It's saying he made it special. He set it apart for something. So this is not about the day itself, not about the purity of the day itself. It's the setting apart of that day for something special. So in what way is a Sabbath supposed to be special? We can see that partially here, right? God rested on the seventh day. That's what made it different. Now, did God need to rest? He did not need to rest. God, God is all-powerful, right? He's not out of breath from creating man and woman on the sixth day. He's like, oh, I just got to take a breather. No, like that, God does he's all-powerful. He doesn't need to take a rest day. So why did he take one? I, I think we can see this in a, a, a story about Jesus from Mark 2 as he's answering the Pharisees on a question on the Sabbath. So we're going to pick up on Mark 2, verse 23. It says, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? It's worth noting here that the Pharisees at this point had given a ton of extra um, laws and restrictions for what you could and could not do on the Sabbath, and picking grain is one of the things you were not supposed to do. So as trivial as this might seem to us, this, this is actually like a legal matter to them. They're actually asking this question. This is not just, you know, because they're wondering. They, they actually are wondering, why are these guys breaking the law? And Jesus, he answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the, day, in the days of Abathiar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, the holy bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And then Jesus tells us the reason that that was okay. He says, then he said to them, the Sabbath, this holy day, was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So in other words, right, this is the third point, the third blanks here. The Sabbath is designed for our benefit. God did not need to rest. He did it to exemplify something for us. He did it to show us uh, how we should approach using our time. And it's designed, this day of rest is designed for our benefit. So, to sum all this up, this is at the bottom, it's not a blank, just you can read it along with me. Uh, so what we have so far, the Sabbath is a day that God set apart as special in creation for the benefit of all mankind. That's, I think that's a pretty good definition of the Sabbath. 
So let me approach this next question, right? How can we treat the Sabbath as holy? We know that God set it apart, that God rested on this day, that he's giving us an example. So how should we approach the Sabbath? The first thing we do is rest from work. And this is just in the text, right? God rested from work on the Sabbath. So we rest from work. Uh, we talked about winter break. I think longer periods of rest can be good, but this is actually specifically referring to uh, once every seven days, you should have a day of rest. And for the law of Israel, when God did give the Ten Commandments to Israel, uh, this meant they were not to do any work of the normal routine on a Sabbath day. This was uh, very clear in Exodus 20, when the Ten Commandments are given. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, set apart. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. There's some helpful things to recognize here. One, the, the reason he gives, he calls back to creation. Right? He doesn't just say, this is, a, the ten, this is one of the Ten Commandments. He actually does call back to Genesis 2. Also, look at the amount of restrictions here. <laughs> He's saying, okay, you can't work. No one associated with you can work. In fact, even foreigners who aren't associated with you, if they're in your land, they can't work on this day either. God is really serious about this thing. And not even the animals, right? Like if, if you had like a, I don't know, like an animal that just was used to your routine, it's like one day out of seven, animal's not going to work. This is very serious to God. And this is something I just find interesting that I want to bring up now. Like most of the ways that we uh, go about time, most of the ways we, we treat time is based on things in nature, right? A day is based on the Earth's rotation. So we see the sun rise and we see the sun set. Uh, a month is based on the moon. We see the moon wax and wane, maybe in opposite order. I don't know how months really work, you know, with the moon, but... Uh, years, right, is when the earth goes around the sun. What is the week for? Like, I, I think it's really just a way that we recognize God knows more than us about how we should use our time. I think that's why we have a seven-day week. And this is the model that we see God exemplify in creation, right? We work for six days, and one day we rest. And I don't want to gloss over this too quickly. There are a lot of approaches in our culture that uh, would encourage you on different ways to rest or different ways to approach your schedule. And I, I can at least identify a pattern in my own life that is ex extremely uh, inconsistent with the pattern set by God, right? I can, I can speak to procrastination pretty clearly. Perhaps some of you can as well. Um, you know, I think to myself, that test is for two weeks. The project is due for two weeks. I can take a couple hours and just do what I want. Okay, I can take like six hours and do what I want. Okay, I can take a day. I can have a day, right? Like there's 14 of those. Okay, tomorrow, I'll get to it tomorrow, you know? And then tomorrow I go through, through a similar process. And the result is always uh, stress and regret. Okay, like I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you've experienced this. I think this is a relatively common experience, right? The things get closer and you're like, ooh, I kind of have to grind on that now. I, I can go get some food though. You know, like we just tend to do this. Um, and we just... This is really a way we don't use our time the way God wants us to, right? We should work hard with the, day, with the days that we have set aside to work. So 
If you're someone where you're on the other side and you just overwork yourself constantly and never find rest, um, man, I wish I could relate to you, but I, I cannot. I would encourage you to find some time to rest. That would be good. But I think most of us struggle more with procrastination than we do with overworking. So when we have days to work, we should work hard. This is what I, what I want to get at here. I don't mean you should be literally just grinding from 6 a.m. to midnight every day, but I think far too often we just tend toward not working excellently instead of not getting enough rest. Okay, getting enough rest does not tend to be our problem. And the Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians 3, 23 through 24, he says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So Paul here draws a direct connection between how we work and serving the Lord Christ. That is extremely important. Do any work you're responsible for as if God was your boss. This is what Paul is telling us to do. Uh, this includes studying for finals. Okay, this happens to come in a nice time <laughs> to bring this in, right? Let me just ask, and you can answer this. I actually want you to, to think about it for a second. If you knew that God was grading your finals and that he wanted you to do well, your Savior and Lord who bought you with his blood wants you to do well on a test, would it change the way that you studied for your finals? Depending on your answer, I think that probably reveals the degree to which you care about glorifying God in your work. If you actually care about glorifying God in your work, work as if it's for him. That's it's literally the same thing. You need to care about glorifying God in your work. So we, we work for six days and we rest for one day. Now rest, obviously, all of us are much more accustomed to thinking about rest. We want it. We think about how we're going to spend our time, you know, resting. Um, maybe for you, it's like literally just, I want to take a nap. Sometimes, honestly, I can relate to that. Maybe rest is like a nice walk in the park or getting a blanket and hot chocolate with a book. Maybe your idea of rest is staring at some type of screen for like 10 hours. I really hope that's exaggeration, but I'm sure like some of you can relate to this. Uh, I think John Piper, he's a pastor. He has a really good perspective on re what rest can and should look like. And in, this, in an article on this topic on the Sabbath, he says, uh, if you sit at your desk all week, probably you should walk or ride a bike on Sunday. And if you work on the farm, breaking your back all week, which is what they did in the Old Testament, then sit down and take a long nap on Sunday. The rest piece, I think, is ph physiologically and from a creation order standpoint, wise. I use the word wisdom rather than mandating any particular one way of doing it. Just take one day in seven and set it aside as the day when you are physically recharging. Right, so whatever rest looks like for you, whatever you can do to, to change up your normal schedule, to do things that get you uh, refreshed and recharged, Take a day to do that. I would personally uh, say that there are two components to resting well. Uh, first, just taking time away from your normal work, whether that's school or otherwise. And honestly, I would encourage you, this may seem just impossible or impractical to you, but I think this is a good way to, to actually uh, conform to how God has set things up. Just try and get a day where you can tell your employer, hey, I, I, don't, wanna, I don't wanna work on this day. I'm actually unavailable on this day of the week. If you can do it on, on a day when you can also not do schoolwork, man, do that. Like, this is the pattern God sets, right? This is not my idea. It's God's idea, okay? 
Um, and like I said, in this stage of life, this might seem impossible, but I think you're actually going to be better off if you do it because that's the pattern God set for us. And then again, I want to briefly mention that the Sabbath is not a result of the fall. Right, this is before we get frustrated by work. Rest is a good thing. Set aside actual time to rest. The second part of resting well, I think is doing things that help you feel energized, refreshed, and ready to go back to work productively. Uh, I can think of a few different things that help me. I'm sure all of you can uh, for yourself as well, like reading books, uh, playing drums, even though sometimes I'm physically tired after playing drums, I'm mentally I'm like, yeah, let's go, you know, I'm ready for the next thing. Um, talking and laughing with friends, sometimes I'm, you know, wheezing and out of breath, but it's not, so it's not relaxing necessarily, but it helps me feel like recharged, you know? Uh, even playing video games with friends for a time could be a good way to relax. I would put a major uh, in moderation clause on that one just from personal experience, okay? So having a rest, having a day of rest from work doesn't just give us time to be refreshed. That's the first part, right? We rest from work. It also gives us time to remember what's really important, and that's God, his word, and people. So resting from work gives us time to appreciate and remember God's creation. And this is directly related to the next point. The next thing we do with the Sabbath is we worship God. So we rest from work and we worship God. And there's some specific things here that, that I want to talk about. The first, uh, really, we, we set aside time to worship God in a community of believers. Okay, th this should happen regularly on a weekly basis. And it's, it's part of how we use our rest. Worship is not confined to the Sabbath. Like worship should be a daily activity in a Christian's life. But the gathering together of God's people in a local church body to sing worship together and hear biblical preaching is actually an essential pattern for a Christian's life. Like you, you can't ignore this. This is something very uh, special and different or holy, if you will. This is literally what makes a day holy. We set it apart to do something specific. And so gathering together with the people of God is really important. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So literally singing is like, in case you didn't know, if you're uncomfortable singing, I do not have a very good voice, singing worship is actually commanded in the Bible. You should do that, <laughs> you know? Uh, sitting under biblical preaching, hearing the word taught is something you need to do, okay? And if Sunday is the day you worship and the day you rest, fine, that's great. If you worship on Sunday, you go to a church and are in part of a church on Sunday and rest on a different day, that's fine too, right? John Piper, uh, after giving some insight to his approach on the Sabbath, wraps up his article that I quoted earlier by saying, we just want to very much say that you need the rest one day a week and you need to find a way to say to the Lord, I love you and I reverence you and I'll honor you a special way on this day. So these don't have to be the same day, but I think these are two essential elements of the Sabbath is resting from work and worshiping God. Then I have one more point for you tonight, and it's kind of related to the overall purpose, right? Because resting and worship are supposed to point us to something else, okay? This is uh, a, a focus towards a goal. And that, that thing that we remember, we remember the hope of eternal rest, the hope of eternal rest. This is the thing that rest now and our worship of God should point us toward is the hope of eternal rest. Now, 
this is not a like morbid looking forward to death like oh I just can't wait to die. No, it's, it's not that. It's it's the ultimate hope of every Christian. <laughs> I mean, if you don't think you're going to have eternal life, like why are you a Christian? I don't know why you would be. This is something that actually is extremely important. Eternity in the presence of God is what the Sabbath should point us toward. Is what we should we, we should remember that when we are observing the Sabbath with rest or worship. And Jesus tells us that rest is one of the things people receive if they come to him. Right in Matthew 11, this is on your handout, it says, it's Jesus speaking, saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I mean, Jesus is the only one who ultimately can provide rest for us. Right? Apart from him, we have no hope of being made right with God. You know, our rebellion against God, this continued rebellion against him, will result ultimately not, not just in futile work on earth, but in ultimate destruction. I mean, if we, if we come to Jesus in faith, he's going to give us rest for our souls. You see, these things are just like completely opposite, right? I mean, he, rest is just fulfilling and satisfying. It's a good thing. Not only in part, right? He's, this is obviously uh, related to this life we get rest and confidence for eternity, but perfectly and fully forever. This is something we should, we should really look forward to. The first verse of the hymn or stanza, I don't know which one to call it, honestly. I just put verse. Uh, the first verse of In Christ Alone speaks to this hope beautifully, right? It's this old hymn. It says, In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, the solid ground, Firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when strivings cease. My comforter, my all, all in all. Here in the love of Christ I stand. Do you hear the, the sense of rest in these words? Like this is something really beautiful. And not only this, right? The author of Hebrews tells us in, in Hebrews 4, it says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. So if you've been reconciled to God the Father through his son Jesus Christ, you are one of God's people. You are, in, you are being talked to in this verse. There's a Sabbath rest for you if you have been reconciled to God. You can and you should look forward to. You should focus on and remember this hope of eternal rest regularly. I mean, none of us knows exactly what this is going to be like, right? Because none of us are dead yet. But we know it's going to be perfectly good. We know it's going to be ultimately satisfying, wonderfully refreshing. I mean, this is, this is good stuff. We should be thinking about this regularly. And I love 1 John uh, 3, 1 through 2. And then I looked at the context. I was like, dude, three is just so, so good too. So I put one through three on there. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. And I want to especially look at this last verse, right? 
all who have this hope, the hope of being like Christ because we see him as he is, purify themselves just as he is pure. Hope is not only something that allows us to endure, it's not only something that allows us to uh, handle difficulties and worries and honestly like futile and toilsome work, it's not only that, it has an active role in making us more like Jesus. Hope in Jesus has an active role in making us more like him. So we should really take seriously this fact, that we have a hope of eternal rest in Christ. We should remember this when we rest and worship on the Sabbath. So the Sabbath is a day that God set apart as special in creation for our benefit. On it, we should rest, we should worship, and we should eagerly anticipate. I think this gets at the the hope word, right? We want to eagerly look forward to the eternal rest we have in Christ. And the Sabbath is significant enough. I think it's awesome. God set it apart as special at the very beginning. And it has significance for eternity. Like this, this has some real uh, ground, not just in the very beginning, but also in the end. So throughout our life, as we're, as we're going through our weeks, as we're taking uh, ideally one day out of seven, to rest and worship God, this is something we should consistently remember are these things. Let's pray. God, thank you for giving us rest. Thank you for the rest that you provide in Christ. And thank you even for the rest that we get uh, on a weekly basis, the the time that we have uh, that we can look to you and remember the, the things you've given us and who you are. I pray that you would just help us to Uh, continually remember the hope we have in Christ for eternity and that that would really drive not just how we handle our work but also how we handle our rest that we would see it as something that we can glorify you with. I pray that that would be the result of tonight and that you would really use your word in our hearts. In Jesus name, amen.